from the studios of One Jacks Productions. This is The Revealing, a ministry of One Baptist Church in Jacksonville, Florida. With YouTube, and, and you know, obviously YouTube's a, a pretty big format that we can do quite a few things with. So if you just remember that sometime this week, uh, hop on there and, and please do that. Um, the other thing that I would highly encourage everybody to do uh, is, is uh, you know, we, myself, Chris, and Robert, uh, we do a, um, uh, a podcast called The Revealing. What, 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 pro, what format? I keep thinking we're on Spotify, but that's not true. We are. Okay, so Spotify, iTunes, and TuneIn Radio. Um, you know, just quickly download Spotify. I mean, that's probably the easiest one, right? And uh, go on there, and, and, and again... Uh, Obviously, I think it would be a big help to everybody if you listen to it. I mean, I think we, we've been talking about some pretty, pretty good stuff on there, and I've gotten a lot of good feedback uh, from it. Uh, but even if you just went on there and shared it, uh, that would be a big uh, help to us uh, to get more exposure uh, to uh, you know, what, we're, uh, what we're all about and things to that matter. Uh, so any little bit can help, guys. You know, we're a smaller church, so we need kind of to get everybody uh, involved in helping with that and things like that. So that would be... Uh, a blessing to me uh, if you uh, would please uh, remember to do that. Again, One Baptist Jacksonville is where our YouTube page is. So that's YouTube. We're going to find that. And then uh, Spotify uh, and some other platforms that he mentioned as well uh, is where you'll find our podcast. And then, of course, our website is onebaptistjacks.world. Uh, so um, I don't know what you could, I suppose you could. Share that too, but I don't know. Whatever you want to do with that, do that. Uh, brother, uh, brother Justin has worked endlessly and hard to to. Well, you've done some stuff on there. Don't, don't. And, and uh, we do have uh, another gentleman that's not in our church that has really done a lot of work on that, and he's done it for free. So uh, I forget his name right at the moment. Ken Staley, that's it. Yes. Um, and so he has worked tirelessly on our website. Uh, thank you to Bill Thompson and all that he has uh, done with that as well. Uh, so, uh, yeah. All right. Good. I think that's it. Do I have any other things I need to say? No? Preach? Preach. Okay, let's preach. Let's do that. Preaching sounds like a good deal. I like that idea. Um, okay. Ephesians. Uh, let's... Uh So if y'all remember last week when I said this is going to be big, that's what was supposed to happen. Uh, it didn't work out the way we had hoped it would, but apparently Peyton wanted to make sure he got his big moment, so he took it. So he took it. He got the big moment. Okay. <laughs> like, I thought, like, something blew up right there. I mean, Ronald was walking in right at that moment, and I thought maybe, like, he was, like, you know, blowing stuff up or something. I don't know. Uh, anyway, you missed it, Ronald. You missed it. Uh, but anyways... Um, okay, uh, probably what I should do, hold on one second, where's my, because uh, if I don't do this, I know me, I'm not going to know where you guys are, and then, kind of like I did last week, um, I'm going to skip something that you're all going to come up to me afterwards and say, what was that blank? <laughs> and I certainly don't want that to happen. Uh, if if, if uh, you didn't get it last week... The last blank there uh, was son, sons of uh, God. Uh, so um, union, separation, mission, revealing, mystery, 
walk in Christ, marriage, wiles of the devil, plan, sons of God, glory, purpose, sons of God. Now, if, if you just said, wait a minute, I wasn't here last week, and you just went through those really fast, just get with your neighbor real quick, and you can catch up, okay? But I just want to make sure the people that were here last week um, um, have the fill-ins, and then we can share those with whomever needs to catch up as, we, uh, as you need it. Okay, so let's, uh, let's uh, start at point one today, all right? Point one, uh, we have the purpose of uh, studying Ephesians, all right? So what is our purpose? So 2 Timothy 3, 16 and 17, uh, again, remember uh, Timothy, uh, he's a big deal when it comes to this because Timothy is the pastor, where? At Ephesus. So obviously, uh, this ties into the book of Ephesians uh, uh, quite a bit, and we're going to see that when we get to Ephesians chapter 4, when uh, God starts to lay out the, uh, the, the order of the church. Okay, the first three chapters, God is really laying out some doctrinal things about this mystery that's being revealed. After that gets revealed, then in chapters 4, 5, and 6, he starts to lay out the, uh, the, the practical application for us in the church. He, every uh, uh, Pauline epistle is like that. The first two, three chapters uh, are going to be very doctrinally sound chapters, and then the last few chapters, depending on the size of the book, the switch is, okay, now that you have this doctrinal understanding, how can we practically do that, okay? And that's how the Pauline epistles are set up. Ephesians, obviously, no different, all right? But, 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 but what he, when he's writing to uh, uh, Timothy, what he says here in 2 Timothy 3.16, and, and, and I also want to note, listen, 2 Timothy is the last book, probably, Paul wrote before he's taken out back and, 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 and uh, uh, I mean, let's just be real, uh, has his head chopped off, okay? He knows his time's short. He knows that Nero's not Emperor Nero, the Roman emperor at that time. He knows he doesn't have a big affinity for Paul, and Paul knows he's about to done get killed, okay? And so he writes his last book to Timothy. And man, the, the, the stuff that he writes in Timothy, both of them really are honestly, if you want to understand can I just be straight? If you really want to understand what the real actual role of a pastor is, go to First and Second Timothy and Titus, by the way. That's, that's the role of a pastor. What we have turned the role of a pastor in in churches today, unfortunately, just isn't very biblical a lot of times from what I've seen. Um, but if we really want to know what the role of a pastor is, that's where you go. But, but here's, here's, here's uh, Paul writing to Timothy, and, and he says, okay, All scripture. Y'all hear me? All, all scripture is profitable. All scripture is profitable. All scripture is given by inspiration of God. That means that although Paul wrote this or Luke wrote Luke, or Jude wrote Jude, although they were the human writers of the books, it was inspired by God. God, quote unquote, told them what to write. 
And Peter makes that very clear over in, 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 in his epistles. Okay. As they wrote, they were being moved by the Holy Ghost to write what is in this book. Now, listen. There's a couple things I want to say to that. Yes, there is a measure of that being a faith position. You have to believe that that is true. Okay? There's a measure of faith that you have to trust that these guys were being moved by God to write this stuff. There is a measure of that. But listen, as someone who was borderline atheist <laughs> prior to my coming to Christ, uh, listen, I get, I, I get it because I thought this book was just written by a bunch of men and it's a big joke and it's just, you know, trying to get everybody under the authority of, a, of, a, of an all-authority thing that just to get my money. That's what I thought Christianity and the Bible was. Okay, uh, for a long time in my life, I thought that. Okay, but listen, and, and, and obviously one of my big things that I used to always say, and I'm sure we've, always, we've all heard this, is gonna be stuff like, yeah, yeah, that Christianity thing, man, you, you just have to have faith for that. Like, you know, listen. Uh, or, or they'll say things like, um, what's the, uh, the, the term they always say about faith? Thank you. You know, to trust in Christianity is blind faith. Okay, hold on, time out. And I certainly thought that myself. Time out. Hebrews 11, 1 and 2 gives us an honest definition of what faith is. Faith is the evidence of things hopeful. Did you hear that? It's the evidence is not blind. That means there is an evidence to things. And what I love about this book if you're really honestly willing to give it its due, the evidence is overwhelming. <laughs> okay? You don't, you don't just have to have blind faith to be a Christian. No, 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 time out. God, and by the way, this is the only book on the planet, because you know what the other people are going to say, right? Well, what about all these other religions, man? What about the, 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 the Hindus and the, and the Muslims and the, and the Mormons and all these guys? Listen, I'm just telling you, man, okay, the one problem they all have is they didn't do what this book did. And you go, what's that? Yep. Revelation 19.10 says that the testimony of Jesus is the spirit of prophecy. So you want to know what this book did? We all know what this book did? God said, this is what I'm going to do. I'm going to tell you things before they come to pass. So that when they come to pass, you'll know that was me. Okay, because only God could do that. Okay, and, and listen, I could tell you uh, right now in our world, and if you've been around this church long enough, you know you've heard me say this before, by my count, there is 383 things happening in our world right now that the Bible said was going to happen. And it's happening. The, it's happening. And you can't, well, you know, you got to... It's not like a, a Nostradamus or guys like that where you got to kind of fudge things to kind of make it say something that it doesn't really say. No, God's pretty point blank about it. He's pretty, Israel is going to get kicked out of their land. And then I'm going to bring them back into their land. Did you hear that? Israel is going to get... What are you going to do with that? And by the way, they were. They were kicked out of their land. And in 1948, just as God said was going to happen, by the way, 2,000 years in advance to the exact year God said it was going to happen, Israel came back into their land. What you going to do with that, man? <laughs> what? Yeah. 
Facts are a stubborn thing. It happened, man. God said that in the last days, Russia was going to join with Iran and form an alliance. Hello. Y'all know that 50 years ago, Russia hated Iran? They were, at, they were mortal enemies. Here they are in the last days, man, just like God said, and they're going to be and formulate an alliance. By the way, also naming five other countries that were going to join an alliance with them. And they're all, just ironically, they're all in the alliance too. This book is far more evidential. <laughs> There's far more evidence to it than we believe. So when it says all scripture is given by the inspiration of God, listen, listen, all scripture. It's all. It's all, remember when we did the tabernacle study? Remember when they set up the table of showbread? Remember why they put it in two rows of six? Sixty-six? How many books are in your Bible? Y'all, y'all with me? Okay. God, and here's the beautiful thing. The more you get into this book, the more you realize how each book builds on one another. And the connecting dots... Man can't do that. They just can't. There's no way, if I told you to write a medical book about how to have heart surgery, okay, and then I told you to go, there's no way we're both going to come back with things that are going to interlock and connect with it, and one thing's going to We would all be writing different stuff about that. That's not what happened in this book. The, the dots get connected with other books. That's why you need to rightly divide the word of truth, which he says also to Timothy, Okay, all right. All scripture is given by the inspiration of God and is profitable for doctrine, reproof. We don't like that, do we? But did you know that scripture was given to reprove you? I don't, I don't want to come to church to get reproved. Well, okay, great. But then you're not going to church. <laughs> you're going to somewhere that's going to make you feel good. No, you come to church so you can get some doctrine. Why? So that you can get reproved about what's right. Why? So that you can be corrected. Why? So that you can now have instruction in what true righteousness is. So that you, as, as Paul says in Romans 10, you're not going about establishing your own righteousness, but you're submitting to the righteousness of God. How are you going to get right if you don't know what right is and if you have your own established righteousness? Because what, what ends up happening is you start formulating your own opinions about what things are. And... Where facts are a stubborn thing, I would say opinions stink. When it comes to God's, you know, if, if we have an opinion about what color car we like and things like that, that's cool. But when it comes to God and his word, I, I'm just being real, man. I don't care about your opinion. I really don't. And by the way, you shouldn't care about mine either. Who cares what my opinion is? What, what does the book say? That, that's what we care about. That, at the end, when it's all said and done, all scripture, Paul says, is given for these things, and why? Why? That the man of God may be perfect. You say, whoa, wait a minute, what? Perfect? Hey, man, let's get this down, man. Let's get the King James language here. Let's understand what that word perfect means. If we started comparing Scripture with Scripture, we'd understand God never or, or ever even uh, 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 says that we need to be perfect Christians, okay? Uh, although we should be striving for that, uh, what that word perfect means is mature. 
You're maturing in your faith. You aren't just a baby anymore. You're growing up in your faith. And by the way, Peter mentions seven levels of maturing in your faith. Going from a babe to a little child to children to young man. Y'all with me? These things aren't in the Bible by accident. No, it's trying to tell us we... We should be maturing in our faith. Why? Why should we be maturing in our faith? So that we are truly furnished unto all good works. For by grace, Ephesians 2, you are saved through faith, and then not of yourselves. It is the gift of God, not of works, lest any man should boast. And we all say, amen to that. There's nothing I can do to earn my salvation. Jesus did it all. There's nothing I need to do. I don't need to go knock door to door and make sure I get my 75 knocks in this week to be saved. No, Jesus' death on the cross did the work. We just need to put our trust and faith in him. But don't stop there. There's verse 10. (laughs) We are his workmanship. There's something, it's not just about getting a ticket punched and now we're good to go. No, there is an expectation that now is, is put on us. God has chosen his people to be his mouthpiece. And if we're not willing to be his mouthpiece, then God's mission isn't going to be accomplished. Y'all with me? Okay. So, A, What is the purpose of studying Ephesians? To profit from the doctrine and instruction to us today. Now, here's a cool little fun fact. Okay. Romans, which is your next fill-in, the book of Romans details what the doctrine of salvation is as he thoroughly explains justification, sanctification, and even glorification, okay? Okay, so that's Romans. Then what are the next books that are written, that are in your Bible? First and Second Corinthians. Well, interestingly enough, First and Second Corinthians are the books of a reproof. Although they had learned the doctrine of justification, they were messing up sanctification, And I would highly argue that that's a lot of churches today, uh, if they even really actually learn the doctrine of justification to begin with, right? But, But that's beside the point. Then Galatians is a correction of their lack of understanding of justification. And then, of course, now we come to the instructions in righteousness, which is found in the fifth book, by the way, interesting, Ephesians which deals with the body of Christ. So here you go, you got Romans. Romans is your, is your uh, 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 doctrine. First and second Corinthians is your reproof. Galatians is your correction. Ephesians is your um, instruction in righteousness in order. It's almost like God wrote the book. It's almost like he knew what he was doing. And it's almost like 
when he tells us something, he doesn't just leave it there so that we can go figure it out and come up with our own ideas. It's almost like, okay, study to show yourself worthy and approved unto God, rightly divide the word of truth, and then I'll show you what I meant when I said what I meant. Instead of you coming up with your own beliefs or me coming up with our own beliefs of what we think it means, right? That's a danger in the church, don't you think? Because at that point, we can just come up with anything. And believe me, people do. People do. All right, so, so what is doctrine in a nutshell? It's what is right. From a Christian standpoint, from biblical doctrine, when it's the doctrine of something, from, the, from a biblical standpoint, it's what is right. That's why God's telling us it. He's telling us what the right thing is. What's free proof? What is wrong? <laughs> okay. What is correction? How to get your mind butts right. <laughs> okay. And then, of course, what is instruction? How to stay right. Okay. There you go, man. Pretty easy stuff, right? Uh, 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 2 Timothy 2.21, if you want to make note of that, uh, says this. If a man therefore purge himself from these, he shall be a vessel unto honor, sanctified, and meet for the master's use, and prepared unto every good work. Very much tying into what we're talking about right now. Uh, see, see what, what, what God's trying to tell us is, hey, I'm going to give you the doctrine. I'm going to give you the reproof. I'm going to correct you. Now the question is, are you going to take that instruction of righteousness so that God can do what he needs to do in you and me so that he can prepare us unto every good work so that we can be the perfect man that's truly furnished unto all good works? But if we don't take the righteousness, then what did we do? Right? Like, if, 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 if I told you, hey, this is what you need to do, and then you didn't do it, well, great, you know what to do, but you didn't do it. How do you think God's going to look down on us on that? What do you think is going to happen on the Day of Judgment when we're standing before him? And, 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 and we're, what do we do? Do we honestly think we're just going to look at God and go, well, I didn't know, sir. I mean, what do you think God's going to say? And? I gave you my book. Oh, but, but nobody ever told me. Well, that's your fault. You didn't, you didn't get into a church that was going to teach you what you need to be told then, or whatever, however you want to play that thing out. Or, or yeah, you know, uh, I was told that, man, but I just never did it. I mean, you think God's just going to be like, oh, yeah, but you know what, though, David, man, I... I love you, brother. You're, you're, you're my child. I'm going to take care of you. We're all good. Don't worry about it. It's all good. Do you really think that's what God's going to do? Listen, that doesn't mean David's going to go to hell. I didn't say that. But David is going to suffer loss. You understand? That is what 1 Corinthians 3 is all about. And we better wake up. We better pay attention. Because I think there's going to come a day. Forget think. There is going to come a day. Maybe it's today. Maybe it's tomorrow. Maybe it's five years from now. But it's appointed on a man wants to die. And after this, the judgment. And if we're, so th- if we're so lucky enough that we don't have to do the die part because we get to go up in the rapture, either way, however you want to slice that thing, the next thing that's coming, whether it be death or rapture, is the judgment. That's the next thing on, on the table here for Christians, okay? You're going to stand and you're going to give an account to him. 
that's not a fear factor. That's the truth. That's just the reality of it. I'm not saying that so that you're, you're getting feared into something, although a healthy fear of the Lord is not a bad thing. It's not, okay? A healthy one. I've seen sometimes where people put scare tactics that uh, probably isn't very healthy. But, but you know, Solomon writing uh, uh, to his, his child over there in uh, uh, Proverbs uh, says in verse two, uh, chapter 2, verse 2, he says, So that thou incline thy ear unto wisdom, right, Jim? And, and apply thy heart to understanding. It's, it's not just getting the wisdom, it's understanding it and letting your heart play it out. That's what script. So why Ephesians? Why? Because we need to understand that it is an essential, this is B on your, your uh, notebook, is an essential description of what God is doing through the church today. It is written directly to the body of Christ. Directly to the body of Christ. Like, here you go. You want to know what the church is supposed to look like. Let me just offer you a very, very solid piece of information. Don't go to Acts chapter 2 to try to get that information. You're going to get yourself in trouble real fast. You want to know what the church is supposed to look like? Go to Ephesians because that is the point of the book. That's what it is. Okay, Acts chapter 2, there's a transition going on. And you're going to get all messed up if you go to Acts chapter 2. Their mode of salvation is different than our mode of salvation. And you go, no, it's not. Yes, it is. Absolutely 100%. You want to know how I know? Because in Romans 2.16, Paul says this, in the day when God shall judge the secrets of men by Jesus Christ, according to, here's Paul, my gospel. Paul, that's pretty arrogant, bro. Your gospel? Like, dude, really? Who, who do you think you are? Let me ask you a question. Was Paul there in Acts chapter 2 as an apostle of Christ? Well, apparently he's preaching something different than, than those boys over there in Acts chapter 2 are preaching. Because Paul's calling it my gospel. When did Paul get his gospel? At minimum, it was Acts chapter 9. At minimum. And he didn't start preaching his gospel till Acts 13. Before that, what you see is, is uh, uh, the baptism of John, which, by the way, is a water baptism. You see why people mess up Acts 2.38 now? You need to be baptized in water to be saved? Well, okay, great, but that's John's baptism. Who's John's baptism for? That's for the Jews. That has nothing to do with us. Do we need to be baptized? Absolutely 100%. Just not with water, with the Holy Ghost. That's a, bit, that's a different deal now. Make sure you understand that the word baptism can mean many different things. It, the, the word means submerged, but the question is, what are you submerged in? You need to be submerged in water. You need to be submerged in fire. You need to be submerged in the Holy Ghost. What, which one? It, that, don't you think that might matter? It does. Well, can I say something? It's the same problem we have with the word gospel. We do the same thing with that word. We look at Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, and we call them the Gospels. The Gospels of what? Because what is a Gospel? 
It's simply the good news. That's what it is. Okay, what was it that Jesus was giving the gospel for in Matthew? You need to know that because if you don't, you're going to mess things up. What was he giving the good news of? The kingdom of heaven has come. Your king is here, Jews. That's what the gospel, he was giving the gospel, as he says it right in the book, of the kingdom. That's different. Is that our gospel? No. Our gospel clearly is different in 1 Corinthians 15, which is the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus Christ, according to that's not what Jesus was preaching over there in, in, in Matthew's gospel. He said, how do you know that? Are you sure? Because every time he said he was going to go to Jerusalem to be crucified, what did those disciples say to him? No, so, not so, Lord. Uh-uh, that ain't going to happen. We got your back. Sure they did. They all scattered. Peter denounced them. Only John went to the cross. Hmm? They really had his back, didn't they? Listen, this, these are important things, man, because there's so much... Unfortunately, false doctrine is being propagated in the church today that could be so simply negated if we just read what it actually says. Get it. You know, Paul's not being an arrogant dude when he says my gospel. What, what, what Paul's referring to when he says my gospel is what he's revealing to us in Ephesians chapter 3. That's what he's referring to. And so, okay, letter C, uh, what is he referring to? It describes the mystery of Christ, the, I know, the Bible doesn't teach dispensations. I got it. I've heard it. I got it. I mean, flat out in Ephesians 3, he calls it the dispensation of grace, but the Bible definitely doesn't teach dispensations. Well, if the Bible doesn't teach dispensations, then why in Ephesians chapter 3 does Paul say in the dispensation of grace? Why does he say that? So now maybe the next question is, and if I would have much more respect for people if they played that game, if they at least, the Bible definitely teaches dispensations. We can't argue that. If you want to argue about what the definition of a dispensation is, I got more respect to that than the Bible doesn't teach dispensations. It does. Four times Paul messes, mentions it, and four times there's clearly something different about them. So what is the dispensation of grace? We're going to talk about that. Uh, it says it describes the mystery of Christ, the dispensation of grace, which we're going to understand as we go through the book of Ephesians, clearly, clearly is the Gentiles, our fellow heirs in the church, in the body of Christ. That's what the dispensation of grace is. Were the Gentiles fellow heirs with the body of Christ in Acts chapter 2? No, they were not. Why in the world will we go back to Acts chapter 2? By the way, what New Testament book was written in Acts chapter 2? Huh? None. Zero. Zip. It was 40 days after Christ died on the cross. Acts chapter 2 is 50 days, excuse me. Acts chapter 2... Because Jesus was here 40 days, right? Then 10 days later was the day of Pentecost. You're 50 days. At, I mean, we didn't have Ray. Somebody didn't write a whole New Testament book in the time of that 50 days, and now it's getting circulated everywhere. That's not the way. There was no books written yet. Do you think God is going to institute his church in that way? There was a transition going on. That's what was the Jews were rejecting their Messiah. 
the Jews had already, already rejected the Father. Right? Is that true? Who? Uh, 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 Isaiah 40? The Father was going to send what? There's a voice crying in the wilderness. Prepare ye the way of the Lord. Who was that guy? That was John the Baptist. What did the Jews do to him? Yeah, he's dead. Okay. And then, well, I'll send them thy son. Surely they'll revere my son. What happened there? And isn't it interesting what Jesus says? Everybody messes this up too. I've heard so much stuff. Jesus says, if you reject me, you can be forgiven. But if you reject the Holy Ghost, you're not forgiven in this age or the next. Why is he saying that? Although, Jews, although Jesus is the Savior, if you don't get the Holy Ghost up inside of you, you aren't baptized with the Holy Ghost, you're not saved. And that's why he said, if, you're, if you reject the Holy Ghost. Now, had the Jews rejected the Holy Ghost yet? No. Clearly, Acts chapter 7, when Stephen's uh, going up against the council there, right? And he clearly says, you always resist the Holy Ghost. You, why did he say that? He said, you've always re resisted him. And by the way, Jesus was standing. Remember when, remember when Stephen looked up and he saw Jesus standing? Wait, wait a minute, man. I thought Jesus was sitting. Why is he standing? It's the only place he's standing. Let me tell you why he was standing. Because if the Jews at that moment would have accepted Jesus as their Messiah, he would have came back right then and there. That's why he was standing. Okay? But he, they didn't. They rejected the Holy Ghost. God, the threefold rejection has now taken place. God, Jesus sits back down at the right hand of the Father. We enter into the dispensation of grace. Philip comes on the scene in Acts chapter 8. And guess what Philip's is now preaching? The kingdom of God. The message has now changed. Trans and then Acts chapter 9, the apostle to the dispensation of grace is called. And who's that? Saul, who is going to be Paul. And the message changed where before it was remission of sin. Now it's forgiveness of sin. Those are two different things, amen? Do you want remission of sin or do you want forgiveness of sin? Which one do you want? Well, I, I like the remission of sin. Well, here's the problem. Justin, were we talking about this? Right? Here's the problem with remission. What does the word mean? So if I have cancer and I go into remission, does that mean that cancer is gone? No, it's just gone into remission. Can it come back? Yeah. Do you want your sin to come back? I'd rather have the forgiveness where it's been cast as far as east from the west and there's no more being remembered. I like that one. That sounds better. I'll take that one. And that's what exactly, read the book of Acts properly and that's exactly what's going on. The dispensation of grace is now being uh, uh, propagated but do understand, it's not being propagated until it was revealed to Paul. That's a very, very important point. That if you don't get that, you're going to miss it, man. You're going to start blending things that shouldn't be blended. And there's a reason why Paul Timothy, uh, told Timothy, his name is not Timothy, it is Timothy, I promise you it is. There's a reason why Paul told Timothy to rightly divide the word of truth. What does that mean, rightly divide? You have to understand that the word of truth has three divisions in it. 
And 1 Corinthians 10.32 tells us what those three divisions are. There are books in the Bible that were written to the Jew. They weren't written to us. Now, is all Scripture profitable for us? Yes. But doctrinally speaking, it was written to the Jew. Then there are books in the Bible that were written to the church. Is that profitable for the Jew? It's profitable for them, but it wasn't written to them unless they are in the body of Christ. But Moses, let's just give an example, anything that was written to the church does not benefit Moses in any way, shape, or form. None. Zero. You understand? And then there's parts of the Bible that were written to the Gentile. Okay? Why is, that so, why is that so difficult for us to understand? And I'm not saying we do, but I'm just saying, in the church, by and large, it so, seems to be so difficult for, for some reason, right? And let's be honest, we like to pick and choose. See, oh, that sounds really good. Yeah, that's for me. Oh, that don't sound so good. That's not for me. Oh, that's really good right there. I like that. I'll take that. Oh, that hell thing for eternity? Well, I don't know about that. Hell's not really hot for eternity. Come on. You know, that's just not right. Really, it's not? So we get to pick and choose what's, what's right and what's not? No, you can't do that. And, and you've heard me say this example before, man, and it's a great example. Okay, it really is. It, it kind of makes the point. So if, if Grandpa leaves me a letter, okay, and in that letter he, 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 he says, now after I pass away, I have a million dollars in the bank waiting for you. Okay? And I take that letter and I put it under my bed. Okay? And four years later, grandpa dies. And I forgot about it. And a year later or two years later, you're over my house and we're cleaning, whatever. I'm getting ready to move. And we move the mattress off and you find the letter. And Jim goes, hey, letter. And he's not being nice because he's being snoopy and he's going to read the letter. And Jim's reading the letter. And he's like, dude, a million bucks. Frank, dude, we got a million bucks. Look. Does Jim got the million bucks or do I got the million bucks? Who was that letter written to? You see the point? We do that with the Bible. Very, very, very much so. We take a letter that was written to somebody. I mean, Hebrews? Who do you think that might have been written to? You understand? James? I mean, he flat out says it right when he starts the book. To the 12 tribes scattered abroad. Are you part of the 12 tribes? If you're not, that book's not written to you. Can you get doctrinal, uh, uh, I mean, uh, 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 good information out of that to help us? I mean, yeah, do, do, is our tongues a, a problem? Absolutely. But the doctrinal points of that is not written to us. Matthew is proving that Jesus is the king of Israel. Is that us? No, it's not. Do you see, the, do you see why this stuff's so important? You've got to make sure you rightly divide this book. And listen, it's not for me to decide how you rightly divide it. And it's not for you to decide it. I say this all the time. We can't agree on what the Bible means. But we can agree on what it says. Paul flat out says my gospel. That means something. Why? He's making it sound as if, without a doubt, what he's preaching is something different, gospel sense, that other people are preaching. And it is. If you start comparing Scripture with Scripture, you start to go, okay, yes, he is preaching something different. And, and, and uh, so certainly uh, we're going to see that as we go forward. So, so check this out now. In Romans, 
uh, Paul writes this, Romans 16, 25, and 26. He, he says this, Now to him that is of power to establish you according to, see that? My gospel and the preaching of Jesus Christ according to the revelation of the mystery which was kept secret since the world began, but now is made manifest. And by the scriptures of the prophets, according to the commandment of the everlasting God, made known to all nations for the obedience of faith. So listen, my gospel that Paul's talking about is according to the revelation of the mystery that was kept secret since the world began. Was it then made known in Acts chapter 2? Just think logically. Is it possible that it was made known in Acts chapter 2? This mystery that he's talking about, my gospel. The logical answer is, of course, we're going to have to say, if we're just being honest, no. Paul wasn't called to be an apostle yet. Paul, matter of fact, was killing the Christians. He was completely against all of this. Where did he get my gospel from? What's up with that? What's he talking about? This is crazy stuff. Well, let's find out. You're in your Bible. Let's go to Galatians. Let's go to chapter number one. Here's a beautiful part. We don't have to make this stuff up. God's going to tell us. Okay, so what happened? In Acts chapter nine, Paul is on his way to Damascus. On his little horse. He's got a couple boys with him, right? And you want to know why he's going to Damascus? Because he hears there's some Christians up there and he wants to go take care of them. And I don't mean in a good way. He wants to go get them arrested. He wants to go get them killed, whatever it takes. He knows there's a bunch of, uh, of Christians up there in Damascus and he's going to take care of them, <laughs> okay? And he's on his way and all of a sudden, man, a big light shines. Christ comes to him and, he's, and here's an interesting thought. Was Paul persecuting Jesus? Well, oh, Jesus already died on the cross, dead, buried. In, uh, but you want to know what Jesus says to him? Why are you persecuting me? What's he saying? You're persecuting my church. Why are you persecuting me? Okay. And, and he goes on, and we've studied the book of Acts, and, and I'm not going to spend a lot of time on that. But what ends up happening through all of that, Paul is converted. He, he turns to Christianity. He becomes the apostle to the uncircumcision. Which, by the way, the uncircumcision is the Gentiles. Peter was the apostle to the circumcision. That would be the Jew. Why is God separating the two if they're not separated? Why is he consistently telling us this stuff? Because they are. Now, in this dispensation, can Jew and Gentile be part of the church? Absolutely. But our faith is in something completely different than what the faith of those guys had to be back in Acts chapter 2. You need to understand that. Okay? And so what happens is, Paul now becomes this apostle to the Gentiles in Acts chapter 9. And he, he tells us that when I was converted, he says, I didn't go to the other apostles to get caught up on the story. I didn't go hang out with the other apostles. Where did Paul go? What happened? Well, let's, let's read. We're in Galatians chapter number um, one. 
Look what he says here in verse number 11. But I certify you, brethren, that the gospel which was preached of, what does that say right there? Me is not after man, for I neither received it of man, neither was I taught it, but by the revelation of Jesus Christ. For you have heard of my conversion in the time past in the Jews' religion. When did that happen? Acts chapter number 9, right? How that beyond measure I persecuted the church of God and wasted it and profited in the Jews' religion, because he was a, a Pharisee of the Pharisees, above many my equals in my own nation, being more exceedingly zealous of the traditions of my fathers. But when it pleased God who separated me from my mother's womb and called me by his grace to reveal his son in me that I might preach him among the heathen immediately. I conferred not with flesh and blood, neither when I up, went I up to Jerusalem to them which were apostles before me. But I went into Arabia. And you know how long he was in Arabia for? Three years. And you want to know what he did in Arabia? All the stuff he's revealing in Ephesians is what he got. And then what he did is, he took all the stuff, the mystery, the mystery that had not been revealed yet, that mystery that we're going to talk about in Ephesians over the course of the next 37 years at least, because that feels like about how long this is going to take. Listen, that mystery is what Jesus revealed to Paul. Paul's gospel. Obviously, if it hadn't been revealed, if it hadn't been made manifest, then none of those apostles in Acts chapter 2 knew it. That's just logical. It's obvious once you see it. Like, oh, yeah, man, I can't argue that anymore. So you see why going to Acts chapter 2 to try to determine what the church is supposed to look like is very dangerous groundwork? You got problems, man. Don't go there. <laughs> There's a transition going on, man. You don't need to be baptized to be saved, yo. And by the way, while we're at it, but while we're on it, okay, you also don't speak in tongues. Okay, those were given to the apostles for a very specific reason. And we're going to learn that in Ephesians, by the way. Isn't that crazy? We're going to learn proper doctrine in Ephesians. By the way, God doesn't pick and choose who's saved and who isn't. We're going to learn that in Ephesians too. By the way, God's not done with the Jews. We're going to learn that. I wonder if these things are being taught in churches today. Uh, yeah, they are. They're major doctrinal problems in churches today. And all I know is when I read those seven letters that Jesus writes to the seven churches uh, over there in Revelation, all I know is he says is, hey, those that say that they're apostles and are not, they're liars. Call them out for it. Huh? We're going to find out here in a couple of weeks, if you don't already know, what the requirement of an apostle is. The Bible's very clear on what the requirement of an apostle is. I got a good one. Here you go, ready? This is, this is going to be an eye-opener. Do you know that every single apostle in the Bible, every single one of them was a Jew? Did you know that? Most people don't know that. Well, listen, at minimum, if you're not a Jew, you might want to be a little slow on calling yourself an apostle, okay? You got to at least be a Jew to be that, Okay? Because the signs of the apostles were wrought among them, and the Jews require a sign, <laughs> okay? Listen, man, so much false stuff's being taught in churches today that's dangerous. It is dangerous. It is. 
And we got to get to the place where we understand and we truly believe what Jude said. In Jude chapter 1, verse 3, we need to earnest, earnestly contend for the faith. Earnestly. But dang, we need to know what the faith is for real to contend for it. Or we're going to find out one day that we were contending for something that was not of God, but we thought it was. And I do believe that that is a big deal. Okay? I'm telling you right now, and most of you folks have been in this church for enough times now, enough time now that, that you're starting to see it yourself. Okay? It's no longer me just telling you, but you're starting to see it for yourself. Listen, I'm telling you, man, 95% of churches today in one way, shape, or form, if you know what you're looking for, teach some form of replacement theology that the church has replaced Israel. I'm just telling you, man, you can believe me or you don't have to. Do what you want. I'm just telling you, man, let's sit down. Let's start looking right in Jacksonville. Let's start pulling up websites and I'll show you. Look, see that right there? That doesn't say, yes, it, oh, I guess it does. Yeah, it does. You're right. Matter of fact, me and another gentleman in our church just this very week did it. I'm telling you. And here's the thing about replacement theology that's so very important. Do you want to know what Jesus says about it? Those that say that they are Jews and they're not, here's a little drop. It's the synagogue of Satan. What are you saying? All these churches that teach that are the synagogue of Satan? I didn't say that. Who did? Do you believe the book or not? What do, what do you want to do? Don't get mad at me. I didn't say it. I'm just the messenger telling you what it said. Just read it. It's right there. What does it say? And matter of fact, you know, here's the beautiful thing about God, right? There's a lot of beautiful things about God. But let me help you, right? If, if, if I'm talking to Justin, I say, hey, Justin, man, do you know that if, uh, if, uh, if you say you're a Jew and you're not, it's the synagogue of Satan? Now, if I wanted to really make my point, what am I going to do? Justin, man, if it's a synagogue, right, I'm going to get a little louder with him. I'm gonna make, you want to know how God does that in the Bible? You want to know how he turns up the volume? If he repeats himself. And you know what? He repeated himself on that one. He didn't just say it once. He done said it twice. Two letters out of the seven churches, he says, hey, if you say that you're a Jew when you're not, you are the synagogue of Satan. Wait, man, though, but aren't they preaching the gospel? Aren't they preaching Jesus? I mean, come on, man, that's just not right. That oh, well, here, let's go back to Galatians. And let's, Paul's got something to say about that. He does. Look, look what he says in verse 6, chapter 1. I marvel... I marvel, not, not Marvel heroes, okay? I know some of you guys are getting excited now. No, he's marveling at the fact that you are so soon removed from him that called you into the grace of Christ unto another gospel, which is not another, but there be some that trouble you and pervert the gospel of Christ. But though we or an angel from heaven preach any other gospel unto you than which we have preached unto you. Wow. Paul says, if you aren't preaching my gospel, let him be accursed. 
That sounds like pretty strong language to me. Sounds like Paul's trying to make a pretty, matter of fact, he goes on to say it again. There's your double, okay? That sounds pretty serious to me. Take your Bibles real quick. Go with me to 2 Corinthians. You're going to go back just a couple pages from where you are. Chapter 11. And watch this. So, so he, he's talking. Uh, again, remember the book of Corinthians is a correction book. Okay? Paul's correcting. Should, so, so, you think we should go to Corinthians to get church doctrine? I'm not saying there isn't stuff in there that we can pull that turns into church doctrine. And the reason why we know that is because other books are talking about it. But I'd be a little careful <laughs> because this is a correction book. God is correcting the Corinthians for what they're doing wrong. Okay? But anyways, we get to 2 Corinthians 11. Now watch. Verse number one. It says, Would to God you could bear with me in my folly and indeed bear with me. Uh, for I am jealous over you. See, what he's doing, he just laid down the hammer on some things. Right? And, see, and what Paul's saying is, would be to God that I could bear, we could bear together in the folly of what's been going on here. He says, and, and, and by the way, I've been calling you out on this stuff. And he says, why am I calling you out on this? Because I am jealous over you with godly jealousy. Why? Because you are espoused to one husband that I may present you as a chaste virgin in Christ. And listen, folks, please hear me on this, man. I'm jealous over you. You're in this church. Me and Robert are the pastors of this church. I am jealous for you. I want you to be presented as a, a, a chaste version to Christ when you stand before him one day. You understand? So I'm going to have to get up in your face about some stuff that you don't like. That's not because I'm trying to drag you down. It's because I'm trying to lift you up. I'm trying to get you prepared for what's coming. That is my job. Go read 1st, 2nd Timothy and Titus. That is my job. Okay? And what does he say here? But I fear, lest by any means that the serpent beguiled Eve. By the way, Eve was perfect in the garden. Y'all hear me? She hadn't fallen yet. She's not as you and me. She didn't have sin laden all over her. She was perfect in the garden. And look what Satan did to her. You don't think he can't do it to us that are bound with sin? Look what it says. He beguiled Eve through subtlety. Do you know what subtlety is? See, we look at Satan and we think, oh man, he's that big red guy with the pitchfork, man. That's easy to find. I'm clearly going to see done Satan. Clearly going to see him when he comes knocking at my door. No disrespect, man. I'm being just straight. Okay, people that hang out at whorehouses, people that uh, uh, drink or, or, or you know, are drunkenness, things to that matter, people, people that are, uh, are involved in drugs and things like that and hang out at drug. Listen, no disrespect to that, but hear what I'm saying. Satan isn't there. Yes, he is. No, he's not. Adult, when, when men get involved in adultery, Satan didn't cause you to do it. He wasn't there. He 
You don't need to be messing around with that. You want to know why? You are perfectly capable of doing it in your flesh on your own. You don't need to be messing He is not in the whorehouse. He is not in the drug house. He is not in the bar. He don't need to be in. He is not sitting in the bedroom when two people are committing adultery. He doesn't need to be there. Our flesh is certainly capable and will be capable of doing those things. Do you want to know where Satan's hanging out? You want to know where he needs to be? Right here in the church. Because now there's people who are trying to get right. That's where Satan's got to put his attention on. That's where, do you see what Paul's saying here? He's saying, hey, hey, I'm jealous over you. Be careful because I'm fearing that the Satan, just as he beguiled Eve with subtlety, that he's going to do the same to your minds uh, and that what will happen is that your minds will be corrupted from the simplicity that's in Christ. Now watch what he says in verse four. Here's a big bang, man. Look what he says. For if he that cometh preacheth another Jesus whom we have not preached, or if we receive another spirit which you have not received, or another gospel which you have not accepted, you might well bear with him. So you know what Paul's saying? Just because somebody's preaching Jesus, just because somebody's preaching a gospel, just because somebody's saying, receive the Spirit, doesn't mean you're preaching the biblical Jesus, the biblical gospel, or you're receiving the biblical Spirit. That right there should, if we're being honest with ourselves, turn our antennas up. Well, okay, Pastor Frank, <laughs> how do I know you're not preaching another Jesus? And you know what? If you're asking that question, that's a good question. You should be asking that question. How come, Pastor Frank, how do I know that the spirit you're preaching is right? How do I know that you're not preaching another gospel? That's a good question, and you should be asking that question. That's a smart Christian. Amen, anybody? Yeah. Okay, how do we know if Pastor Frank and Pastor Robert are preaching the right thing? Well, there's only one way to do it is what I'm preaching, what this book says. If it is, then I'm preaching the right Jesus. One of the most scariest things that I have seen. Now listen, I'm from Rochester, New York, okay? And I know this stuff's happening up north. I get it. But this is my, this is my, or this is where I planted my feet, right? Kansas City, right? You're down here now. You're, you're a Kansas Cityan, but you are now a Jacksonvillean. I don't know if I said that right or not, but y'all got me. Okay, listen, listen. This is where we've planted our feet. This is our Jerusalem, if you will. Okay, so I'm, I'm certainly not saying this isn't happening over in the rest of the country because I know it is. But, but one of the scariest things I've seen happening since I've been in Jacksonville that just blows my mind is how everybody says they're a Christian. And then you just ask them the simple question. Man, oh, that's so awesome. Can you, can you share with me your salvation experience? Can you share with me the gospel? I'm telling you, since I've been here, if I had a dollar for every person that could not in any feasible way come close to what Paul's gospel is, 
And all I know is I'm not the judge of salvation. The good thing is I'm not the guy who's going to tell you if you're saved or not on the day of judgment. I'm not that guy, so you don't have to worry about what I think. But what I am saying is, but when Paul says things like, well, I'm not ashamed of the gospel of Christ, for it is the power of God unto salvation. When we, it's the engrafted word that will save your soul. <laughs> okay. I'm just going to guess. You might want to make sure you got that one down right. You might want to make sure you know what the gospel of Jesus Christ is. And you might want to make sure you didn't just believe it because Paul makes it very, very clear that you also need to receive it. And those are two separate things. Believing in something don't mean jack. The devils believe. That don't mean anything. Paul's very, very clear. And receive. What does it mean to receive? Well, Galatians 2.20 is very clear on what receiving is. Huh? You understand? I am, I am crucified with Christ. Well, didn't it, wait, wait. Isn't the gospel... Isn't the gospel, the book of Romans, is the gospel found in the, you know how many tracks I've seen with the Romans way? And listen, if you know what you're doing and you do it right, yes, you can pull the gospel out of the book of Romans. But I'm telling you, man, most of the times I'm looking at these Romans way and they're missing something. And I just got to ask, please, man, just work with me, man. I just got to ask, it, 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 can you be 99% saved? Right? Like if you got nine out of the 10 and you got nine of those boxes checked, if the one box out of the, out of the 10 wasn't checked, I mean, I, oh, I'm good, right? I mean, I got most of it. Is that how this is going to work? No, man. No. Either you are 100% saved or you are 99% lost. 100%. I did not say 1%. Quite down. Do you understand? What? You get what I'm saying. I... Thank you. Good for you, Amy got me, so we're good. But do you understand? And, and people are going to look at me and they're going to go, man, you're just way too, oh, you can't do that. I'm way too, oh, because I don't want you. I don't want me. I don't want anybody in this church on the day of judgment for Jesus to look at you, Matthew 7, 21 to 23, and you go, Lord, Lord. And Jesus look back at you and go, I never knew you. So yes, maybe I'm just way too about it. Maybe I, maybe I am, but I'd rather be that than to be wishy-washy about it, okay? You want to know what Paul says in two chapters after this? You want to know how he wraps this thing up with the, with the uh, Corinthians? 2 Corinthians 13, 5, what does he say? Examine yourself. Make sure you're in the faith, lest you be a, a reprobate. So what that means then is that means I could believe in the faith, but yet be a reprobate. What that means is I can believe in the gospel, but believe on a wrong gospel, number one, or two, never receive the gospel. I mean, yeah, isn't that what it's saying? Why aren't we hammering that in people in churches today? Can I tell you why we're not? Because that message we don't like. 
Pastor, you do, you, it's, it's, it's all negative. Well, I guess that depends on how you look at it. It may sound negative, but really in the end of the story, it's really actually positive because I'd rather know that I'm saved now than wait till then and find out I wasn't. Because if you find out then that you weren't, now it's going to be the problem. What are you going to do then? It's too late. Y'all with me? Listen, man. Listen, it is my job to lead the sheep. And you all are sheep. You are. Whether you like it or not. And you want to know what sheep do? Huh? They're supposed to. But do they all? No. Sometimes some sheep, man. Hey, dude, the water's over here. The water's over here. Where are you going? Right off the cliff, man. Pastors are way too... Listen, yes. Listen. As you're going to learn next week, this COVID thing has hurt our church. When we moved into this building, man, we certainly had no idea this was about to happen. Okay? Our rent's going up this year. Quite a bit. And so, yes, absolutely. Uh, you know, do I think we're in danger of folding? No. But we, we could potentially lose quite a bit of money over the course of the next couple of years. And, and, and our commitments weren't the same as they were last year, and our rent's going up. <laughs> okay. So is there a business side to church? Absolutely. But I'm going to tell you right now, I promise you, I don't care. I will pay for the whole darn thing myself if I have to. I don't care. I'm going to tell you right now, I am not going to preach to you just to keep you in a seat. I am not going to do that. I, there is a day where I'm going to have to answer for it too. If, if what I'm preaching you don't like and you want to walk out the door, that's on you, man. I don't know what to tell you. But there are so many churches that have to preach that way. They got to keep you in the seat. They can't, they can't upset you or make you mad or whatever it is. that we're, they, So they just got to preach these feel good. I love how Kathy says it. Story time with grandpa messages. Right? Listen, but that ain't going to do a darn thing for you. Nothing. Nothing. It's certainly lying to you unintentionally ain't going to do anything for you either. And a lot of churches are doing that because they're taking verses completely out of context to make you feel good about something, make you walk out the door feeling, oh man, I feel good today. And then the, an hour later, you're acting like the, you know what I'm saying. You're acting like the unsaved person you are. Because you probably are. Sorry, man, I can't do that. If I did that, then I don't really love you. If I did that, I'm really doing it for selfish motives. And I won't do that, man. I can't. I do care about you guys way too much. I think you all who know me more than anything, you need me, I'll be there. I'll do whatever I can to help you. Anything within my power, I'll do it. I will. I promise you I will. I don't care what time of day it is. I don't care where it is. I don't care how it is. If I've got to find a way to help you, I will find a way. And if I personally can't do it, there are other people in this church, other men in this church, other women in this church that have always stepped up. And we are a small church, but I'll tell you what, man, we pack a punch. And that's the way it needs to be because that's what we're supposed to be. Do we do everything right? Nope. <laughs> do I make mistakes? Yep. And we're still going to, but we're going to do it together. Because we are a family.
We are a family, and that's the way it's supposed to be. Are every, is every family perfect? No. Is there going to be fights and squabbles and families? Yes. But how are we going to handle it? Well, I can tell you how this church is going to handle it. We're going to handle it the way God told us to handle it. And whatever the outcome of that is on the other side is what the outcome is on the other side. All I know is that when Jesus handled some situations over there in John chapter 6, yeah, he handled a situation. He was talking about how they had to eat his flesh and drink his blood, and he was letting them all know that. And, I, and some of those disciples of Jesus, followers of Jesus were like, huh? What did he just say? Did he say something about drinking his blood? Oh, that's a hard saying, man. Oh, we aren't going to follow you anymore. We're going to get that, man. We're going to get, that's a hard saying, pastor. I ain't following you anymore. Just make sure, just make sure that the hard saying wasn't right as you're walking out the door. Just make sure. Because if the hard saying was right, now what? Now what? And, and, and listen, I'm just preaching out loud. Uh, I know you guys are all here today, right? Yes. And I know he's here today. You want to know how I know? Because he was bold enough to wear pink today. That's when you know you're comfortable with everybody. When, you wear, when you're a dude and you wear pink, uh, you're, you're bold. I, I like it, though. I, I wear pink, too. Robert doesn't wear pink. He doesn't like it. He's not comfortable with his own skin yet. We're trying to get him there. We're working on him. But he, he, he hasn't gotten there yet. All right. How far did we get today? Let's see. Did I, do, did I make any dance? Did I, not quite to where I wanted to get, but um, we'll take it. Uh, where, let me do this real quick. Let me just go down to, uh, I'll give you the fill-ins real quick, to, down to number two. Yeah? Yeah, so that way we've gotten through that. So, okay, uh, real quick, because uh, I got two minutes, so we actually are okay. It is the revealing of the mystery of Christ. Okay, and we're going to see that. Uh, and, 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 and by the way, you're, you will, if you want to jump ahead and kind of do some of your own uh, studying of Ephesians, very, very clearly, chapter 3. That's where the revealing of the mystery is, okay? It's the umbrella over all of this is the subject of the body of Christ. So if you want to know what the body of Christ is and how you get into it, I got a good idea. Let's go to the book of Ephesians. Yeah, that's a good idea. Thank you for saying it because that's correct. That's where you go. All right, uh, letter D, to help us to fully understand God's, here's a big one, calling and ministry in the church. Listen, Paul says things like this, like, like he's praying for us to know the hope of his calling. God's got a calling. Was, was Ephesians written to Pastor Frank? No, no. Was, a, was First Timothy written to Pastor Frank? As a pastor, yes. What was Ephesians written to? Y'all got that? And he's talking about the hope of your calling. Well, well Pastor, I know you got a calling. What's, what, well, I don't have a calling. My calling is just to be in church. No, no you, you, you do have a calling. <laughs> you do too. By the way, can I just say this? My calling is your calling. We all have the same calling. How about that? I got, I got this, ready? Well, I, I just need to know what my, what, what my spiritual gifts are. How about this? There are nine spiritual blessings that we get. And guess who gets them? All of us. It doesn't matter where you are in your faith. Well, you just have to have more faith and you get more of the Spirit. <laughs> what? Where does it say that? 
And y'all know what I'm talking about there, I think. Like, no, that's not how this works. Well, you, we have different spiritual gifts. No, we don't. What we have is different spiritual talents. Those are different things. We all have the same spiritual gifts. Well, wait a minute. What about 1 Corinthians 12? We're going to get there. I'll explain it to you. You'll see it. It'll be obvious once we see it. I'm just telling you, we all have that. We, there is no measure of me having more faith than you. God's the one that gives faith. You think he gives me more faith than you? God's love. Do you think I get more of God's love than you because I'm his pastor? No. No, we all get the same measure of love. We all get the same measure of faith. We all get the same measure. Uh, God gives his blessings to all of us. He is no respecter of persons. You come to him, you get it all. Now. And can I just help you? The all isn't give all your money to the church and God will bless you tenfold. That, that's not what we're talking about here, okay? No, 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 no. The all that we're getting are spiritual blessings, not physical blessings. Sorry, Joel Olstein, you're wrong. You got it messed up. No, that's not what it is, man. It's spiritual blessings that we're given, and we all get them. And by the way, amen. Amen. As ridiculously bad of a sinner that I was, I got them too. And as ridiculously bad as a sinner as each one of you were, because y'all were, you get them too when you come to Christ. That's it. And you want to know what's cool about that? God doesn't pick and choose. It was before the foundation of the world. He had this plan that through his son, he was going to pay the penalty so that you'd get him. Huh? Now that's something to say amen about. That's something that we can, we can unify around. You want to know why? Because it's the truth. It's the honest truth. Um, where am I here? What is God's will for my life? What is the purpose of church? And it describes our position and our responsibility in the body in heavenly places. What? You mean what we do in the here and now? is in heavenly places? Yes. That's why we don't, and we should never forsake the assembling of the church. Because as we gather together, what's taking place down here is taking place up there. We're around his throne. And you go, what are you talking about? Go read Ephesians chapter 2, verse 6, and then you'll know what I'm talking about. 4 through 6. Yes. Yes, man. We have a responsibility in this church. We have a purpose. And our purpose isn't our purpose. You know, I love watching, I love watching, uh, I'm shutting the book, I'm done. Okay, I love watching, go on, I'm serious, man. I don't mean this to be that jerk or, oh man, why are you calling out all the church and stuff? Because I certainly don't think we're the perfect church. I know we got problems and we got some things we need to fix. I get that, okay? Uh, but, 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 but I will say this, okay? But when something's wrong, something's wrong, okay? I mean, there's no way around it. If something's wrong, something's wrong, okay? Uh, listen, I love going to other churches. I remember, and, and 
I'm not going to say any names, but I remember <laughs> I was in a church. <laughs> Some of you know what I'm about to say right now, uh, or you're going to know what I'm saying when I say it. I remember I was in a church, and th- they were trying to figure out what their purpose statement was, what their mission statement was. And I just remember sitting there. Who's the one that figures that out? So they didn't have a pastor at the time. So that's a problem. You know, they were they were they were, they were other people were just coming and preaching. There was no uh, 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 even a fill-in pastor yet. Although I think they did end up getting one for a little while. I'm just. What do you mean you're trying to figure out your mission? What do you mean you're trying to figure out your purpose? What, I got a great thing. You, how about you don't figure that out? Because that could be very dangerous. I got an idea. How about we just let God tell us what the mission and purpose is? Well, yeah, I got to pray about that. Really? Do you? What's there to pray about? There's nothing to pray about. It's in the Bible. God told us what the mission is. God told us what the purpose is. Just what did he say? Do it. It's crazy to me, man. You want to you have a chuckle? Honestly, and I mean this with all sincerity. You want to have a chuckle? Although it's sad, honestly. Go look at churches looking for pastors. You'll chuckle. It is crazy to me, the stuff. that. You, first of all, pastoral committee? Where did it talk about the pastoral committee in this book? I must have missed that one. Okay, okay, okay now we have a pastoral committee. Well, what decided who got to be part of that pastoral committee? Do they even know what the heck they're doing? Because 99% of the time, they don't. Okay. Well, what are you supposed to look in the pastor? Go watch. Well, this is what we're looking for. They had a degree here. They had this over here. They did this over here, and they did this over here. Well, what the heck does that have to do with the Bible? You're going to call your pastor because they had a degree at the Southern Baptist Convention? Whatever? Like, what? What are you, what are you trying to say? See, without saying it, what they're saying is, we have a set way we do things here, and this is what we're going to follow. Great. I got a set way of doing things too, and this is what I'm going to follow. You want to follow that, man? Feel free. Because that is what a denomination is. And you go, well, pastor, you're a hypocrite. You got Baptists right on the front of your church. You're a denomination too. Well, do understand, if you had a conversation with me, I'll explain to you why we have Baptists on our church. Okay? The reason why I got Baptists on that church is because not that I believe in the Baptist denomination. Matter of fact, I would highly argue that a lot of the Baptist denomination is just as screwed up as every other denomination, okay? The reason why I got Baptist on that church right now, and the reason why we are part of one Baptist church, is because we do not agree with Roman Catholic doctrine, and we are going to stand up and we're going to say, we do not agree with Roman Catholic doctrine. Matter of fact, I will straight out say, I think Roman Catholic doctrine is of the devil. That's why we got Baptist on that church, because the Baptist church, in its originality, never is the only denomination that ever could honestly say it never joined with the Roman Catholic Church. It's the only one that can say that. And that's the reason why we got it on there. That's the only reason. Maybe, yep. All right, good. Let's pray. Father, we come before you, Lord.
Lord, we're so thankful for your word. Lord, we're thankful for your book. We're thankful for your church. And Lord, although this is a church, Lord, I pray with all that I have in me that this wouldn't just be an assembly of believers that come uh, together around to play church. That we would come here so that we can learn what we need to learn so that we can fulfill your mission, so that we can fulfill your purpose that you have for us, so that we can grow and mature in our faith, so that we can be the workmen that you have called us to be. That's what I pray for. Pray certainly for every individual's needs. Certainly we pray for and want to help each other. But Lord, I know there are over 41 another's in this book that you have called us to do as a church that we cannot simply do unless we're together. So Lord, I pray for unity in this church. I pray that 1 Corinthians chapter 1, verse 10 would not just be something we say, but that we would all be of the same mind, that we would be all of the same judgment. Yes, there are going to be times when we disagree about something, but if we could just let your word be the final word, that's where unity comes from. That's what you're calling for. There was unity in the Father, Son, and the Holy Ghost. Robert did such a great job of uh, really helping us understand that on Thursday night. There was unity. There is unity in the Trinity. And that Trinity is in us. So our unity with one another is an important aspect. So Lord, I pray that we would strive for that. We would endeavor for that. Lord, we love you. We're thankful for you. Lord, I thank you for this church. Please, Lord, if there's anything that is being said by me or Robert that is not glorifying of you, Lord, I pray that you would prick us, you would show us our wrong, uh, and the people would forget it. We certainly don't want to do anything that is not of you. We love you. We are lost without you. We give it all to you. For your honor and glory. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. All right, love you all. Thank you for listening to The Revealing a podcast ministry of One Baptist Church in Jacksonville, Florida. Senior Pastor, Frank Silvaggio. Associate Pastor, Robert Engel. For more information about One Baptist Jacks, please go to our website, onebaptistjacks.world, or email us, info at onebaptistjacks.world.